Mood with Kim G.C. Moody Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Moody. I'm a Canadian tax expert who has over 30 years of experience at a specialist level dealing with Canada-U.S. tax matters for the private client. For those of you who know me, I love the study of leadership. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship and how tax and economic policy impacts Canadian entrepreneurs, executives, and average Canadians. This podcast will discuss topics relating to taxation, taxation policy, leadership, economics, and the odd political comment as it relates to the previous topics, all in a lighthearted and playful style. Strap in and come along for the ride. Good day. My name is Kim Moody. I'm your host of In the Mood with Kim G.C. Moody podcast. And today's recording is going to talk about a recent tax proposal put forward by the Canadian government, one that I think is absolutely silly and frankly dangerous, on short-term rentals. And before I comment on that, let me just take a step back. So Canada has had a well-documented housing issue, shortage, I guess, um, for you know the recent, recent past here. Um, let's call it a couple years. Uh, it's, it's been perhaps a little bit longer, but when you go back in history, you know, 10 years, even five years, frankly, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 60, 70, Canada has long had housing challenges. And to me, it's not that surprising because we're a country of immigrants. We rely on immigration in order to help our population grow and thrive. And so ultimately, immigrants and new Canadians and, and even you know, ones that are born in Canada, they need housing. They need places to live. But as you have a growing population, you know, it, it will cause some challenges in terms of where do we put all these people. So not surprising that in our history, we have had housing shortages and housing challenges. So in the whole scheme of things, this is not really all that new. But what has been new is some of the policy tools that have been delivered and deployed by our Canadian government to try to deal with such issues. And in addition, some of the other tools that have been used in other areas, such as high immigration, have compounded the problem. And so fast forward back to today, and we have you know, recent deployment of, of some legislation. Um, you know, for example, we have the Underused Housing Tax Act, which is a debacle, a reporting debacle, which is supposed to punish the evil non-Canadians for buying up Canadian real estate and keeping them empty. Now, I've never seen any great studies that say that non-residents are, are, are the cause of housing shortages or contribute materially and significantly to housing shortages. There's no, sh- no shortage of anecdotal pieces, newspaper pieces that are out there, but you know, to have some good, researched, well-documented, and proven material, I haven't seen it. And... In addition, we have the prohibition introduced a couple of years, well, about a year or so ago, that prohibits non-residents, non-Canadians, from buying Canadian real estate. 
I mean, that, that's a real problem. Uh, when you have, for example, the United States, where a lot of Canadians buy property, they do not have a similar prohibition. But somehow we have a prohibition to prohibit United States people from buying Canadian property in, uh, for the next couple of years. It's supposed to expire at the end of 24. I think that's a real problem. And then we have you know, a tax tool, my area of expertise, that was deployed, so-called anti-flipping tax. You know, it, it was cheered by a lot of people that don't understand tax because, you know, there's a lot of people that speculate on real estate, apparently. Well, I'm sure there are. There's lots of people that do that. But does it contribute to housing shortages when they buy up property and then flip them or renovate them and flip them? Well, apparently the Canadian Income Tax Act does not have enough tools to deal with such a matter. Uh, and so they introduced this anti-flipping tax where if you hold property a residential property for less than 12 months, then any resulting profit will not be treated as a capital gain. It will be treated as full income, full taxable income, unless you happen to have, you know, one of the exceptions to the rules, uh, which is, which is, um, you know, if you get a divorce or if you get sick or, you know, some really silly life events. The problem with the anti-flipping tax is that it's duplicative and it's really uh, frankly dangerous because it, it cross-threads with existing provisions in the Income Tax Act that deal with flippers. We didn't need this silly piece of legislation. You know, the existing Income Tax Act prohibits the use of the principal residence exemption when people flip properties because ultimately at the end of the day if they flip it that's considered inventory profits and not capital gains. And in order to utilize the principal residence exemption, you need to first be able to treat the property, or it's not even, uh, well, you have to be able to consider the property that you've disposed of as a capital property and not an inventory property. And so all dispositions of principal residences are now subject to reporting on, inc on individual income tax returns and so to introduce this silly anti-flipping tax adds unnecessary complications and it's just frankly all political uh, and I've been rather opinionated about it and frankly if I was the finance minister that would be one of the very first things that gets chopped out of the Income Tax Act. It's silly. And now uh, fast forward to the fall economic statement of 2023 at the end of November 2023. Apparently now the latest evil person in housing or group of people are those damn short-term rental people who buy up property and then Airbnb it or put it on VRBO. And so, so to deal with that, because, uh, they are going to uh, introduce an income tax tool that will prohibit the deduction of expenses on short-term rental income to the extent that you operate your short-term rental in a municipality that prohibits it. So let me put that in plain English a little bit. So I used to own a property in uh, you know, a recreational resort area in British Columbia. I have since sold that, uh, that property and, and uh, bought um, you know, my new uh, hobby farm. But that issue aside, it was in a community that always, you know, the previous property was always in a community where they wanted to you know, the locals wanted to prohibit short-term rentals like Airbnbs. And the reason is, is because they thought it was very disruptive 
uh, with a lot of Calgarians coming in and partiers coming in. And, um, but the development I was in was never able to get consensus on it, so it never passed. But there are some municipalities and strata developments that have got it passed and, and they prohibit or you have to ultimately get a license or, and there's a whole bunch of restrictions in some cases where, or maybe there's just an outright uh, pro prohibition against short-term rentals. So, to the ex so in my case, if, if I had short-term rented my house out on Airbnb, and let's pretend that my development did prohibit my strata development did prohibit short-term rentals, then I would be prohibited pursuant to this new proposal, which is scheduled to take effect January 1, 2024, I would be prohibited against deducting any expenses associated with that short-term rental. So let's put that in a little bit of plain English here. Let's make that a little real. So let's say I rented out my property even though it was prohibited in my strata. And why would I do that? Well, because you know, maybe I need to get extra income and maybe I'm prepared to you know, pay the fines that the strata development would deploy against me regardless of the fact that, you know, that uh, I'm short-term renting it because I might need that income. I, I, I might be that desperate. And so you know, in many cases, the fines are not that material compared to the rental income that I might get. So let's say I collected $10,000 in rental income on, by putting it on Airbnb. And I had to pay Airbnb some expenses like commissions. And of course, I had some property taxes against my uh, property. I had to pay for insurance and utilities and internet costs. And, um, and let's say I had a mortgage on the property, so I had to pay mortgage interest. I mean, all those expenses are real. They're economic outlays that enable me to maintain that property and continue to own that property. And in, and in the example that I have, to rent out that property. And so, yes, maybe I've rented out to some parties and maybe there's been some inconveniences. Uh, and, but at the end of the day, I'll report that income on my tax return, the $10,000 and I'll deduct the expenses, the property taxes, the insurance, the, you know, the utilities and internet costs, et cetera. And I will pay tax on any net profits. If there's losses, then I will deduct those losses against other sources of income. But in many cases, you're not doing it to create losses because ultimately you want the, the income to care, help carry the property. And so, so now the proposal is that all those expenses are going to be denied. So in my example, going back to it, if I have a $10,000 uh, total income that I've received off that property, regardless of the fact that it's illegal uh, to carry out in my, in my strata development, now I've got to pay full tax on the $10,000. So let's say my, my real economic profits were, say, 1000 because I had $9,000 of cost on it. So $10,000 minus $9,000 of, uh, of, of cost is $1,000 of economic profits. The $9,000 of economic uh, expenses are denied, meaning that I'm going to pay tax effectively on that $9,000. I find that horrific. And whoever thought of this really needs to give their head a shake because they obviously don't understand basic economics and basic tax policy. Because let's, let's compare 
that example, my example of me being the bad guy, because apparently the, the policy and the reason why they want to do this is to change behavior. In other words, if the strata development says I shouldn't be renting out, well, they must be the gods and they must know better uh, than me um, because ultimately I should be encouraged to throw that rental or sorry, throw that property into a long-term rental uh, proposition as opposed to short-term renting it, which again is silliness because government doesn't know best. Frankly, in most cases, government does not even come close to knowing best. I know my situation best, and if I figure that I need to rent out the property in order to carry it because I still want to own that property, that should be my decision in a common democracy. And so, but let's compare this now to a drug dealer. Uh, and I've written about this in my Financial Post uh, articles that I wrote on this at the end of 2023. I had my weekly tax columns for the Financial Post. And when the proposals first came out at the end of November, um, I, I wrote about it. And I used the example of a drug dealer. Well, if I am a drug dealer and I sell cocaine, for example, well, that's clearly a criminal activity. Just like renting out a property uh, you know, as a short-term rental in a strata is illegal. It's not a criminal activity, though. It's a civil infraction, um, a civil uh, breach of some rules in a strata development or a municipality. So very clearly different than a criminal activity. But notwithstanding, going back to the example, if the cocaine dealer sells $10,000 of income, or sorry, $10,000 of cocaine, that's taxable income. Now, uh, in my entire tax career, I've never met a drug dealer that reports their income. I have had other uh, illegal sources of income being reported because, and I won't tell you that, you know, the types <laughs> just to save the innocent, but, you know, the people clearly knew it was illegal income and in certain cases it was criminal income, but they wanted to report it in order to make sure they don't fall into a tax evasion criminal activity as well. So they didn't want to double up on their criminal activity. Um, but they reported their expenses. So in this case, if you have a cocaine dealer that wants to be tax compliant, which again is more than likely unrealistic, but if they did, they would report the $10,000 and then they would deduct their expenses against that $10,000 because that's business income more than likely, illegal business income, but still business income from a tax perspective. And so they would deduct the cost of their cocaine and maybe their automobile expenses and maybe the insurance on a house that they have or, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, their, their cell phone bills. And then they would pay tax on, on whatever's net. Now, is there anything specifically in the Income Tax Act that prohibits that? The answer is no, there isn't. So go back now to the short-term rental um, example. At the end of December of 2023, the government followed through and introduced draft legislation and introduced draft section 67.7 of the Income Tax Act, which follows through with their, with their promise to prohibit deductions against owner op owners or operators of, of, uh, of short-term rentals who are, op who are operating illegally. So that short-term rental owner is so bad 
that they're going to pay exorbitant tax rates because of the denied expenses, whereas the cocaine dealer, if they chose to be tax compliant, would be in a better situation from a tax perspective. Now tell me that that makes any sense from a public policy perspective. It makes zero sense. And frankly, this is all pure politics uh, trying to appease a voter base that doesn't have a clear understanding of tax policy, but clearly buys into the proposition that short-term rental owners are evil because they rent their properties out and don't take care of them and they encourage partying and whatever. I find that silliness and in my view it needs to go. Frankly Canada needs a better way of, of introducing tax policy rather than just whims, you know, whimsical stuff that's introduced uh, with very little thought. So all to say that the short-term rental proposal is um, dangerous and it needs to go. Uh, but unfortunately, it looks like it's going to proceed through the, through the House of Commons and the Senate and get royal assent because it's been introduced as draft legislation here. But hopefully we'll see it go away with a new government if, it's ever, if one ever uh, is introduced at, and introduces better taxation policies. So there you go. Uh, hope you learned something today and keep in touch. Have a great day. Bye now. So there you have it. Another episode of In the Mood with Kim G.C. Moody podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. I'm always open to feedback. Please reach out to me at my personal website at kimgcmoody.com. Feel free to sign up to my mailing list for my one-to-one-to-one newsletter where I comment on one comment on taxation, one comment on leadership, and one comment on economic or public policy matters. And feel free to reach out to me on my LinkedIn account as well. Until next time, take care. Bye now.